0: Well, Pastor Bill spoke last Sunday. He preached. And while he was preaching, I became aware of the fact that the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. I've heard from many of you this week that God was using that sermon to speak to you as well. Here's the harsh reality of life in my house. Typically, I go home, we talk a little bit about church, and nobody says anything about the sermon. (laughs) But last week, the kids were all chattering about the sermon at church because God was speaking, and he made some things very clear to them as he did to me. Pastor Bill's not with us this morning because he's preaching at our sister church, another of our sister churches, this one up the road in in Kamii, but I want to give public thanks to Pastor Bill. He'll hear it on the podcast for the way that he fed our congregation and me last week. If you were here last week, you may remember that I wrapped up the service by mentioning to you three points from 1 Samuel chapter 3. That was the passage from which uh, Pastor Bill spoke to us, and those three points were this. The story begins with a clear statement that God had fallen silent. He was no longer speaking to his people. You ever had the silent treatment? It's dreadful. When Laura and I were in premarital counseling, trying to put together a skill set, a toolbox for being married, the, the pastor who took us through that process explained to us that we were going to have fights and that we had to learn to fight fair. And so we talked about the, the, how conflict in the past had caused hurt and pain in our relationship. And as we worked our way through this, he told us to write out some rules for fighting fair, which basically were requests to the other person in the relationship, hey, please don't do this when we argue because it hurts me deeply. And I found out the number one on the list for me was the silent treatment. I can't take it. Laura, please don't give me the silent treatment. She hasn't, all these years later. She's told me exactly what I've done wrong. So, <laughs> she's in children's church. That's not even fair. Why did I do that? So, but the story begins with the statement that God had fallen silent and was no longer speaking to his people. That is a dreadful condition in which to live. Second statement was that the passage makes is this, that God spoke to Samuel, and Samuel's response was, I'm your servant, Lord, and I'm listening. So go ahead and speak to me. The third statement came at the end of the chapter, and it said this. After that, God spoke often to Samuel and to the rest of the people. I had another sermon planned for today. We'll get to it in a couple of weeks. Next week, Pastor Aaron's going to speak to us about baptism. And we'll get to my sermon later. But uh, midway through the week, eh, early in the week, I knew that we needed to talk about something else today. And it came out of that passage. Um, I want you to hear my heart today. I don't, I don't mean this as any accusation. I'm telling you about my hope for the future. It's not saying what we are not now. It's just what I dream can one day be. I want us to be the place, a place where God speaks often where he's speaking to his people on a regular basis, and we hear and understand and act according to what he's telling us. I want that with all of my heart. And I'm praying that you will want it with all of your hearts too. Because I'm quite convinced that the day that we all want that, that the Holy Spirit will get Gabby. He will just talk and talk and talk and talk. Over the course of my years in ministry, I think the one question that has come to me most often is something along these lines. Usually it's said with some kind of of, of sadness in the person's voice. The question is, Pastor, does God still speak to people? And if I ask a follow-up question, they usually say, because I don't think he's ever spoken to me. And that is almost always said with a sadness of heart because it challenges people to continue to believe in God if they think they cannot hear from Him. And if they think that God still speaks to people but isn't speaking to them or hasn't spoken to them, it really opens up a can of worms because we start self-indicting and asking, maybe I'm not good enough for God to speak to you. Maybe God's forgotten me. Maybe God doesn't care. Maybe, Maybe I can't be saved. Maybe I don't really belong to him. And so while I've tried to answer this question to lots and lots of people, um, as I was contemplating what Bill was speaking to us last week and what, what Tom was sharing with us in the telling of the story, I realized if it's the question that I've heard the most often, then maybe it's one that I need to address from this pulpit. And this morning, it is my intention to talk to you about listening to the voice of God. I hope that you'll hear what I'm saying, because here's what I think. I think that all of us want to be Samuel. You remember the story? Samuel, the little boy, his, his mama couldn't have a baby. She went to the temple and prayed and said, if you give me a baby, I'll give him right back to you. And so she raised the child until he was old enough to wean, and then she took him right, un- unthinkable, took him back to the tabernacle and gave him to the priest and said, I got to have him for a while but I made a vow. Here you go. And God wasn't speaking to the people. There was was nobody listening. There was nobody thinking, maybe today God's going to speak. Because God had fallen silent for long enough that it was just, well, what God used to do. One day, the boy Samuel, middle of the night, heard a voice, Samuel, Ran in the next room to see if Eli, the man who was mentoring him, had been calling to him. He hadn't. A second time, he hadn't. A third time, the old man gets it. And says, oh. I think this is what we've always hoped for. That God would speak to his people again. So Samuel, go and listen. And if, if you hear it again, say, I'm your servant, Lord. I'm listening. I think anybody who has anything to do with God, wants to be Samuel. Don't you want God to speak to you? Don't you want to be the one that God thinks she'll listen? I can trust her with what I have to say. Don't you want to be one of those men that can say without guessing, I've heard from the Lord. I think all of us want to be Samuel. I also think, Maybe all of us really are Samuel. See, Samuel heard from the Lord and didn't know what was going on. He heard from the Lord and didn't recognize it as the voice of the Lord. And so he went about his night on a completely different assumption. Oh, I've got to go into Eli's room and I've got to answer his questions. And maybe, oh man, he's going to ask me to go make sure that I close the door on the barn and... And so he runs into Eli's room with a certain set of expectations that were not based upon a correct understanding. And so he, he couldn't hear what the Lord had to say. So he heard the Lord. We didn't know it was the Lord. And so he went with a different set of expectations regarding what he was supposed to do thereafter. I think all of us are Samuel. All of us who have anything to do with God, we want to hear from him. And I think all of us are Samuel, not sure whether we've heard from God or or maybe we have heard from him, but think it was something else. Samuel had been hearing from God. Maybe you've been hearing from God, but not recognizing his voice. Today I want to answer two questions. The first is this, does God still speak to people? And the second question, if so, how can we know it is him? The first one's simple. Yes, God still speaks to people. God does still speak to people. Let's take a look at, very briefly, at a handful of scriptures. The first, one of, my, one of my favorites, back when I was a teenager, sitting where you guys sit in another church elsewhere, I was a Bible quizzer. And because I was a Bible quizzer, I memorized scripture. Among them, the prologue to the book of Hebrews. It begins this way. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son whom he created whom he made heir of all things and through whom he created the universe the son is the radiance of god's glory and the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by his powerful word In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times in various ways. The passage says, but in these last days, he has spoken to us definitively by his son. Meaning this. God doesn't have anything else to say that has not yet already been revealed. He gave a complete enough revelation through Jesus that if all we had is what is written in the Scriptures about Jesus, you would know everything that you need to know to be able to connect with the God of this universe in a healthy and holy relationship and live like you really believe that. If all we had written for us was the life and works of Jesus, It would be enough for the people of God to realize who they are and live like it in this world. The good news is, however, that he has not ceased to speak to his people. But the first thing that we have to get in order is this. He has spoken definitively to us. If you need to know the word of the Lord, it's this. Jesus came to save us from our sins. This is the word of the Lord. Secondly, this. John chapter 16:13 tells us that God continues to speak to us through his holy spirit. Listen to this. But when this is Jesus speaking, but when he the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, he'll speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. Most of the time when we, we read these kinds of words, we think, oh, he's going to predict the future. And Christians go to seed on this stuff. Oh, he's going to tell us when, when Christ is going to return. Hey, give it up, people. Never going to happen in your lifetime that he's going to reveal to you when he's coming. Okay? Not for you to know. The scriptures make that abundantly clear. But this passage, Jesus is saying, look, when the spirit of truth comes, who is he? He's the spirit of truth. And he's going to re- reveal certain things to you. All the truth that you need to know in order to handle the stuff that lies directly before you. Listen, what if we looked at this passage and instead of saying, ooh, maybe he's going to predict, uh, you know, he's going to win the Super Bowl. Maybe he's going to predict when Jesus is going to come back. Maybe I get some insider knowledge that gives me advantage in this world. What if instead we read this as though he was telling us what is yet to come? That is, what kind of world this is going to be when we get obedient what if he's telling you what is coming up in your day? Not so that you'll be ready to be victorious. What if he's giving you commands? Hey, you want to know what's, uh, what's on tap for the Purcell children this afternoon? Whatever I say is on tap for the children this afternoon. Because I'm in charge, people. My house, that's the way it goes. The scriptures say that the Spirit can guide us into all truth and reveal to us what is yet to come. His will for us. So while he doesn't have any great big new uh, revelations that supersede Jesus, the Spirit wants to come and speak to you in your heart about what is to come, and he will always tell you the truth. Second Timothy three sixteen is another passage that we need to consider this morning because it tells us that God continues to speak through, to us. He speaks to us through His Word that was written uh, through Jesus. The definitive word he speaks to us through his holy spirit who continues to speak to us And then second timothy tells us that he also speaks through the rest of the scriptures Oh, yeah, this was a bible quizzing verse two when I was a little kid second timothy chapter 3 verse 16 All scripture is god breathed and useful for teaching rebuking correcting and training in righteousness Do you understand what this means? It means that every time that you keep an appointment to read the word of God, you have an opportunity to hear from God's Holy Spirit, reliable truth for guiding your next steps. Does God still speak to people? Yes, he does. He has spoken definitively through his son. He speaks through his Holy Spirit who whispers in your ear. And he speaks through all the rest of the scriptures to help build context for us regarding what he says to us today. Second question is this, if he speaks, he does, how can you know it's him? And that really is the tricky part, isn't it? Because I think most of us have assumed, yeah, God speaks. The problem is, I don't know what he's saying. I can't tell when he's ready to talk and when he's not, because he's invisible. It's not like he shows up and says, hey, let's have coffee. So how is it that as I go about my day, as I go about my life, that I can discern the voice of God amid all the other stuff that's competing for my attention? I've got a handful of things here that I want to share with you that I've just found. Look, I found them in Scripture, yep, but I found them to be true in my life. And so what I want to share with you today is not a sermon. I want to share with you my life. And I don't think that God has picked me and none of you. But I know this, the Lord speaks to me. And I know that he speaks to any who will listen. So I want to talk to you about how to listen today, okay? He still speaks through the scriptures. And I know that may seem like a great big letdown. (laughs) Because it sounds like the preacher is saying, you just read your Bible. That ought to be good enough for you. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is not that you have copies of the Bible, you should read them, and God will give you brownie points. What I'm saying is the God of this universe speaks currently through things that were written thousands of years ago. If you read uh, our doctrinal statement about inspiration of scriptures, it'll refer you right back to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and they put it in some legal and theological language that says that we believe that a long time ago, God cornered some people who surrendered themselves to him, and he used them to write what we now call the Bible. And that he did that not by putting them in a trance and making them passive uh, writers of dictation, but that instead, out of an ongoing relationship with him, they came to understand the heart and the mind and the will of God, generally speaking, so that they lived their lives. They did their best to discipline themselves to live according to that. But that there were also times when they realized God is trying to say something through me to other people. And they sat down and they began to write. And the Holy Spirit was present working with that person and his personality and his culture, and his language, and his place in time, and working all of that together, was breathing out a message for all the Christ followers forever. Sounds pretty mystical, doesn't it? It is. It's amazing. But get this. You've got to get this. We also believe that that very same spirit, and that very same process is at work in our day, but kind of in reverse. That any time people will sit down and and read those scriptures with the intent, with the desire of hearing from God, that the same Holy Spirit will say, I know where you live. I know what language you speak. I know the pressures of your life. I know you, the the, the political stuff all around you. I know the hurts. Let, Let me take what I inspired and got on the page years ago and lift it off of the page and breathe it into your heart and your mind. It's not about reading for content so that you can get the answers right on the test. It's about pulling up a seat with God and saying, I don't know how else you speak, but I know you speak through this. Would you speak to me today? I'm listening. Sometimes I think there's only two important things that happen in my day. The first is when I say, Lord, I'm listening. The second is when I open the scriptures and I let him speak so that I can hear. Some friends, I have what um, theologians call a very high view of the scriptures. Meaning this, I know all the technical stuff about how they were written. I just don't think it's the most important thing to know about what has been written. I think the most important thing to know is that the God who inspired writers inspires readers. The God who turned on the light for writers turns on the light for readers. The, the God who worked to, to help put words to pen takes them and breathes them into the minds of people who seek him. But did you hear me? Who seek him. You know who God spoke to in Samuel's day? The one person who said, I'm listening, there's a lesson for us. That when we listen, God says, oh, let's talk. How can you discern the voice of God? First of all, understand what Jesus said many times. It is written. Turn to the scriptures. We accept the Bible as the authority for Christian belief and for Christian living. It's uh, It describes what life is supposed to be like for us. It gives us some commands. They are commands. If you think you're being told to do something uh, th- that contradicts a biblical command, then you have to understand something. You did not hear God right. Okay? Let me talk about this just a little bit. Uh, all that stuff that I just said about commands... Yeah, the Bible has a considerable number of them, but the Bible isn't all commands, okay? There's much of the Bible that's just descriptive. It's just describing the way people have lived and and, and how they reacted and responded to God and how they often disobeyed him. But there are parts of the Scripture that are commands. When, when we read those commands, they come to the people of God, one, with the authority of God, but two, they're expressing his heart. Hey, parents, when you are raising your kids, Remember when they were a little bitty and you had to force them to do what you wanted them to do? And you just lived for the day that they might actually want to please you? Yeah. Remember the commands that you gave? The Scriptures reveal to us some commands from God. They're not God bossing us around. They're God directing our steps in the hopes that one day this no longer registers as a command. Instead, it just comes to us as, oh, I know what my father wants now, and I'll do it to please him. But as you're reading the Scriptures, as you're going to what is written, and you're, you're seeking to hear God, and you have that sense, oh, God may be, I think God's speaking to me today. You can know this. If he says anything that is contradictory to what the Scriptures have have written, then you got it wrong, Jack. Okay? Man, I cannot tell you, fortunately it's not like a hundred times, but there's been a number of times that people have come into my office and said, Pastor, I believe that God wants me to X. And as soon as I hear that, then I think, well, I should probably pray and see if I think God says the same thing. And we'll pray about these things together. And sometimes I don't know. And so we'll sit down and we'll pray about it together. And I'll say, well, yeah, I, I think that's something like God would say. I've also had people come in and say, "Hey, pastor, God wants me to leave my wife." No, He doesn't. You didn't hear from the Lord. Had a woman when I was a youth pastor, when I mean, 26 years old, I was wet behind the ears. This woman comes in and says, "You know, in my devotions today, the Lord revealed to me that He released me from my marriage." And I just looked at her and said, "You're wrong." Oh, but pastor, I mean, I re- no, nope, you're wrong. Well, I, re- you're wrong, lady. And we went round and round and round and round until she left my office, convinced that she was right. And she was wrong. You know, I know. Because she said, my husband's not a believer, and uh, God wouldn't want me to be unhappy, and uh, so he's released me to, from my marriage so that I can go marry my former pastor who's leaving his wife. Yeah, it's got God all over it. I said, no, let me show you what's written. And the Apostle Paul said, Um, addressing people with spouses, people who are Christ followers whose spouses were not. He said, well, they stay with you, then you stay with them. Period. And moved on to the next topic. Made it real simple. See, if what you think you heard from the Lord contradicts what's written in His Word, you're wrong. Because the Bible is the authority for Christian belief and practice. It has it is a more reliable source of truth than what I think God may have said. Does that make sense? Are your heads like this? If not, I can preach it again. Okay. It's written. How can you how can you know it's him? Because it fits with what's written. Sometimes however, the scriptures uh, have what, what would feel like blank spots to us. They addressed much of life in an ancient world, but they adri- they, they don't address some directly, some situations in our day. Right? Have you ever come up against something where you, you flip through the page? I can't find anything in there. You've Google searched it. The Bible doesn't say anything about, um, uh, give me something. Say it out loud. Okay. Um, ab- uh, abortion. The word abortion is not in the Bible. Okay? It's not in there. Does the Bible have anything to say about abortion? Mm-hmm. But it does not have anything to say directly about abortion. So what's a person to do? A person is to spend enough time reading the whole counsel of God's word that some principles and ideas begin to emerge that help us make decisions as we go forward. See, we have these hard and fast things. They're called commands. They're, they're mile markers along the way. We get fence posts. We always know that we're inside the fence when, when we, we've said yes to the commands. But there are, some, there are some other statements in Scripture that help to paint a picture of the heart and the character of God and the desire of his heart. And we use those things along with the commands to paint a fuller picture of his expectation and his dreams for us so that we look at situation. You know, the lottery, um, um, gambling, whatever vices you want to talk about, those things, many of them not mentioned in scriptures uh, directly in terms of a command, thou shalt or thou shalt not. We take a look at their effects on our society. We take a look at their effects in family homes. and We say, maybe not wise. And we begin to get a picture of what the will of God for us is because we're seeing that he's speaking to us once again through what is written, but this time just seeing that it's well-supported. The ideas that we have that we think we've discerned about the will of God, it's well-supported by his word. So we've got the it is written. We've got the it is well-supported as we learn to think biblically. Then we've got the stuff that everybody wants, okay? And here's, this, here's the stuff that we want. Acts chapter 15, verse 28. The apostles are having to deal with another tricky situation. So you know what they did? They spoke to one another. They reminded one another of what Jesus had said. Yeah, but Jesus also said this. Well, yeah, but you remember that time when we were sitting there on the lakeside? He said this. Well, yeah, there was a time in the boat, and he said this. And they, they put it all together, and then they voted. Wrong. They prayed. And they came out of the the meeting and they said it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. You want to discern the voice of God? You want to know for sure what it is that he's saying? Look for the thou shouts, the things that are written in Scripture that are hard and fast, that help us get our bearings. Spend enough time in his word that you begin to understand the, 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 the general counsel of God. But there comes a point when, through discussion with others, this thing still isn't clear, and what do we do? We go to our knees, and we ask God to speak to us, to turn on the lights for us. Two things here. Number one, seek the counsel of people whose, whose spirituality you trust. Seek the counsel of people whose Christian maturity you trust. Um, it's like this. Brand new believer, we want you to know something. We love you. And the Lord has a great plan for your life. New and young in your faith, your heart will be tender and sensitive, and you're probably going to hear from him a lot. Anytime you're experiencing anything that you think may be the voice of God, you say to him, like Eli told Samuel, I'm your servant, Lord. I'm listening. Okay? We also want you to know something. We're probably not going to let you, new believer, have a lot of influence in decision-making around here yet. You know why? Because you don't yet know the Lord and his will as well as some of us who've walked with him for decades. And that is why, when it comes down to the business of electing a church board and so forth, we don't tell people, hey, find the best businessman you know, because we didn't smell managing the money around here. We don't find people uh, who are the most influential in the town and say, we're going to give them the, uh, the, the best seats in the house because, you know, they'll help us make those connections. You know what we do? We direct our people every single time. Get on your knees and seek the voice of God. And as you consider people, consider their spiritual maturity. You know what we need for a church board? People who are full of the Holy Spirit and the wisdom that comes from walking with him for years. So when you're seeking the voice of the Lord, if you think you've heard something, go to somebody, two or three people, whose wisdom you trust, because you've seen how they've walked with the Lord. You've seen the maturity in their decision-making, and you've seen the way that their lives reflect the goodness of God. Seek the counsel of mature Christ followers, but don't neglect to seek the Holy Spirit through prayer. Generally speaking, you will find that the scriptures and the the counsel of spiritually mature people— and the voice of the Holy Spirit agree with one another. Okay, Generally speaking, you're going to find that to be the case. And you'll have the sense that all the arrows are starting to point in the same direction. I had a gal that used to come to me all the time. I've, uh, I won't name her here. You don't know her, but we have a podcast. So, uh, I, But I, I've said to my wife, I think that is the worst decision maker in the universe. There's a gal who used to come to me for counsel often. I mean, dozens and dozens and dozens of times. And she had three other people in the congregation that she would also seek counsel from. And they're people that I've gone to for counsel. So I thought, well, she's got a pretty good team here of advisors. And generally speaking, I would be the last person on the list. And so she would say, I've been to Jack, and I've been to Nancy, and I've been to Joe, and they all told me the same thing. Pastor, what do you think I ought to do? Well, I talked to her about what I thought the scriptures taught. And say, well, considering that it was Joe and and Jack and Nancy who spoke to you, um, I think I'd go with that. She'd say, thank you. Man, everybody's telling me the same thing. And then do the opposite every single time. Every single time. Listen, when the arrows are all pointing the same direction between the Scripture and the elders and what you think the Spirit is telling you to do, do that! That makes a whole lot of sense. It seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit. Ultimately, folks, it comes down to this. If you spend enough time with someone, you'll learn to recognize their voice. Generally speaking, uh, if you spend a bunch of time with God, he'll start talking to you. You spend enough time in Scripture and in prayer, you'll learn to recognize the things that God talks about, and you'll begin to understand, you'll begin to recognize the tone of his voice. Some people say, oh, he, he speaks in a still, small voice. He does, and he screams bloody murder at times when it takes that. Okay? There, we, we have accounts in the Scripture of him speaking so loud that the people were afraid and said, uh, Moses, tell God to knock that off. He should send messages through you, because he's scary when he talks. Sometimes he speaks quietly, and sometimes he will clear his throat to get your attention. But if you spend enough time in Scripture and in prayer, you will learn to recognize the voice of God. Listen, if a stranger calls your house, they have to identify themselves. You pick up the phone. Somebody says, hi. There's this instant thing. One of three things happens. You either go, I know exactly who that is, or you go, hmm. I kind of recognize, sort of familiar, but I can't quite lay a finger on it. Or you go, I've never heard this person speak in my life, right? Isn't that the way it goes when you pick up the phone at your house? You know immediately whether it's somebody you know, somebody you ought to know, or somebody you don't know. Strangers call, they have to identify themselves. When acquaintances call, they begin to talk and you're like, oh, they think I know who they are and I should know who they are. It's kind of familiar. This is so embarrassing. And you let them go on and on and on, hoping that they give it away, right, by saying their wife's name or the kids or something. And after a while, you're just like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't know who this is. And they tell you, and you're like, oh, of course, I feel like an idiot. I'm so sorry. Yeah, what you were saying. And, and then there's this connection that takes place, right? But when, but when your spouse calls, when your kids call, when your parents call, when your best friends call, you know, immediately. Listen, my dad passed away seven years ago. I can still hear his voice. If God would allow it and he picked up the phone and called me today, I would not have to ask, who is this? Because I know my dad's voice. You know, if you spend enough time with the Lord, you're going to recognize his voice when he speaks. It's just no. But maybe the problem, friends, is that we've only gotten acquainted with God. We bump into him once in a while, nod at him, you know, give him the the, the respect afforded of a casual encounter. And then we go back to our busy lives, and then we do something religious, and nod to make sure God gets his... And then we go back to life. And when he speaks, you think, oh, that sounds like it might, that's probably just my own idea. And I forget it, and we go on. You know what I think? I think a bunch of things that we've credited as our own bright ideas have been the voice of God, but we didn't recognize it, so we blew it off. I'm telling you today, there are no shortcuts to relationship. If I want to get to know Joe, I've spent enough time with Joe that when he picks up the phone, I go, hey Joe, stop cheating and looking at caller ID. (laughs) By the way, there's caller ID on your Bible, okay? Pick it up. And if somebody starts speaking to you, pretty clear who this is. It's just a matter of spending enough time with the one that you want to hear. See, you're nice folks, but I love Laura. You know what I mean? Her laugh is just music. Her voice makes me happy. So I spend a bunch of time with her. As a result, when she calls me, I just know. Brandon, you want to hear the voice of God? You've got you to get to know him instead of being acquainted with him. Listen, I'm glad you come to church, but if this is it, if this is the only time that you try to hear him each week, he's just going to sound like somebody you ought to know. But if on a regular basis you will spend time with him on a daily basis, you will begin to understand the tones of the whispers of God. I can't believe it. Pastor did it to us again. He preached a sermon that should have been titled, You Ought to Read Your Bible. I did. But this one was actually titled, You Ought to Read Your Bible and Pray. Okay, in all fairness. Because there are no other ways to discern the voice of God than to live in community with other Christ followers so when you think you've heard Him, you can check with people whose spiritual maturity you trust, but also so that you live in close enough proximity to Him that as time goes by, you become increasingly familiar so that you can say, because you know. Hey, the other day the Lord said to me, you want that? Because if you do, I'm convinced you can have it. And as I said, it takes, it takes time, but I think today would be a good time to start. Taking some time to talk to God and to listen to him. So worship team, I want you guys to come and uh, we're going to play and sing and you can, play, you can sing if you want or you can sit where you are and pray or you can come kneel at this altar and pray. I suppose you can leave and go home if you want. But this next time in the service is not intended, quote unquote, as worship. What we typically call worship, the music part of the service. Instead, this is intended to just set the stage, the scene, for you to speak and to listen. So if you'd like to sing with us, um, certainly do that. But Lord, we're gathered before you this morning, listening. We sure wish you would speak. We would love that. We'd love to hear your voice to us. Beyond your voice... I don't know what it is that you have to say. Because I don't think you engage in small talk, chitter-chatter. I think when you speak to your people, it's because you want to tell them that you love them, or you want to correct them, or you've got a mission for them, or because you just want to hear our voices. Lord, over these next few minutes, we're listening. Would you please do for us what you did for that little boy thousands of years ago? He said, I'm listening. And I'm your servant. And you began to speak to him and did for the rest of his life. For those who are seeking you today, I pray you would be found, and you'd be found talking.